Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to this Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm in uh, NCI College in the uh, heart of IFSC, and I'm here with Dr. Horatio Gonzalez Velez, Associate uh, Professor of Computing and Head Clerk and Common Centre. How are you, Dr. Horatio? Doing fine, thanks, Rhonda. How are you doing yourself? Good, thanks. So tell us a bit about, like, I was in NCI about seven, eight years ago doing a postgrad diploma, 11-9 in cloud computing. How has the college changed since then? Well, as you know, uh, seven years ago, uh, I joined NCI. Uh, I was quite fortunate to be the founding head of the Cloud Competency Center. Strictly speaking, the center opened officially on the 26th of September. 2012, yeah. and uh, we were uh, trying to make inroads at that time into the cloud computing arena. Yeah. Uh, the our governing body through the Iris O'Brien Foundation uh, donated some money to start a center. Uh, we started with a flagship program, the MSc in cloud computing at that time, with 20 students, and nowadays that has morphed into three programs. And which are the MSc in cloud computing, the MSc in data analytics, and the MSc in fintech. In addition to that, we have been fortunate enough to receive funding from the European Commission for research in general. Yeah. In that in that time, we had a, pro, a project called Paraphrase, uh, funded by the FP7 for Framework Program 7. And since then, we have had a few uh, funded projects. The last one finish uh, in, in March yeah. uh, and actually I have here the book clearly this is a podcast but we just published a book with the overall findings of the four years of the project the project is called Chipset yeah. and it's on high performance modeling and simulation for big data applications it entails over 30 countries not only in Europe but across the world including Australia China Brazil and uh, other parts such as Russia, which are strictly non-European. And in addition to that, the Cloud Competency Center has endeavored to have strong links with the industry. So we've been fortunate enough to work with different companies in exploring different areas of cloud computing, data analytics, and and of fintech. And clearly we are uh, catching up with the times. When I was here, one of your main partners was Microsoft. Yeah, uh, when we uh, when we had the opening of the center, we had uh, different companies, including Microsoft, IBM, uh, Fujitsu at the time, and we still uh, have such links, and we have increased it not only uh, with major multinationals, but also with SMEs. As, as we know, in this room that we are at the moment, it's part of what we call it the research wing of NCI, where we have a few companies that are being incubated. And in addition to that, we also work with uh, other companies across the city. So we're being in the heart of the IFSC makes us uh, quite accessible to different companies. And also because you're on the loose line as well, it's very handy. Yes, indeed. I mean, I, I love Dublin in that respect. The uh, transportation links are quite good. Uh, in general, is it's difficult to think of other places, even in the world, 
that you can walk to so, so many companies and you still have good transportation links, public transport links, as well as uh, facilities to live by. So and also good. you're very close to uh, Silicon Docks, which is very handy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The Silicon Docks uh, uh, in, uh, in the 90s and early 2000s, I worked for Silicon Valley companies. And it's, of course, you also have a high concentration of companies the top concentration of companies in Silicon Valley. However, the distances between companies you always require to drive here, it's, you can even walk or cycle. Yeah. <laughs> For example, if you want to go to Twitter or Google or Facebook or Airbnb, you're so close to each other. Yeah, yeah, walk. Yeah. <laughs> walk or cycle, that's common. And I suppose it's handy because when someone does a qualification here, it's easier for you to bring the companies to come over here because it's not too far a distance for them to come over and see your students and what they're doing. Indeed, we at NCI, as you may be familiar, Ronan, is we have a model that includes not only full-time faculty with academic and industry experience, but also associate faculty. So people who actually work in companies or in other organizations and teach a module, typically by night, and help us to keep our students linked to the current trends in industry. So... They teach what they do yeah. during the day. So that's also a good model for, for NCI. Because when I was here, one of my lecturers now actually uh, works with, with uh, Ryanair, Agent Scale. He's now working there as a, one when of the, when the programmers in the innovation labs. And last time I, I was asked a few years ago to do a conference on for, to do programming, and I was asked, who do you want to interview from podcasts? I said, mm-hmm. Adrian, because I, I, I was, she taught me mm-hmm. in college. So I interviewed him. I said, last time I seen you, I was presenting for you for a project, an enterprise, enterprise project, and now I'm interviewing you for this. Is times have changed because he had his own company at that point. Didn't quite work mm-hmm. out. So he's a Ryanair. I'm just, how are you enjoying the job? So I love what I'm doing. And I think the fact that he had experience helped him when he was teaching us what to do because he told us in class that our, our project was basically a nine-week nine module. He says, if you're in the real world, you do this in nine months. We're doing it in nine weeks. Mm-hmm. But because he had experience in business, he could tell us what mistakes we were doing wrong and how to correct that. Which is whereas if somebody has spent their whole life in academia, they can't really do that. Yeah, I, I like to believe so. Personally, mm-hmm. I, I have, as I would say, industry experience. I work for uh, Silicon Graphics yeah. and also for Sun Microsystems in the 90s and early 2000s. And uh, that, it always gives you additional background to help students to link to research and as well as to talk to companies because you you tend to have some links and some commonalities to to discuss. Yeah, and also on the lectures to Vikas, so it's more here who was an MVP for Microsoft. Yes, so Vikas is still around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so he's always, yeah, 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 he's always helping us and he's a, he's a great person in that respect. So. And uh, I remember one of our lectures, he told us that he said, if you want to be a cloud engineer, all that involves is going into the data and changing out the hard disks and everything else. We don't do that. No. He said, you guys are learning beyond that. So he was more or less telling us that what elements are. So when you do a kind of level nine course, you know that there's certain things you won't be doing and shouldn't be doing. Exactly. And uh, to be honest, uh, at the Cloud Competency Center, we have taken advantage of the advisory board of the School of Computing. So as you may know, uh, the School of Computing relies on an international advisory board, which has uh, members from uh, University of Chicago, Michael Franklin. Uh, The head of the advisory board is Jeffrey Ullman, 
emeritus professor from Stanford, as well as Armando Fox. Uh, he's a professor at UC Berkeley, and uh, John Hopcroft, uh, the 1986 uh, Turing Award winner. As you yeah. know, the, in computing, we don't have a, a Nobel Prize, but there is the, the Turing Award, and yeah. John Hopcroft won it in 1986. So uh, he's at Cornell now. Uh, all these people help us to uh, define programs and have a truly international perspective of that. And as a result, uh, we have been fortunate enough from in order to go from 20 students uh, seven years yeah. ago in the opening of the MSC Cloud at the Cloud Complexity Center into uh, over 400 students across three different MSCs and uh, postgraduate uh, diplomas associated yeah. with them. Because I've seen you've got one now, you mentioned you got one on, on FinTech. That's correct. <clears throat> when I was doing, uh, when I was back in college here, FinTech was something that wasn't really as big as it is now. It was so, the technology wasn't what it is now, and Bitcoin was something you kind of heard of, didn't know much about it. Yeah. Now everyone knows what Bitcoin is, and now they're trying to get involved in that area. Yeah, uh, when we launched the uh, MSC in FinTech uh, three years back, uh, we were one of the f uh, pioneering institutions in offering a full module in blockchain yeah. technologies. Now it's, it's common, and there is now... A, even an MSc in blockchain to be uh, delivered in Ireland. Yeah. That's at that time uh, we received some advice from uh, the IDA, from different companies, uh, financial institutions. So uh, we defined that uh, to include the blockchain in the fintech. So. Yeah, because I'm looking at blockchain has changed so much from what it first was, and now it's not really fintech anymore. It's it's more diversified into security as well. That's correct, and not only into that, uh, as you were kind enough to report recently, yeah. uh, we at the Cloud Competency Center won a large research project working with pharmaceutical companies in the continent, and we're going to be using cloud analytics and uh, blockchain technologies to uh, trace the provenance of medicines. Yeah. So from the moment of uh, manufacturing all the way to pharmacies in uh, using distributed ledger slash blockchain yeah. to make sure it's traceable, verifiable, and auditable. And also, if you notice, there's a fault with the batch. You actually know which ones, which, which, which part of the batch you can uh, recall. That's correct. Uh, and that's, that's the idea of using blocks because you will be able to... Uh, to trace it via blocks and uh, so transactions in blocks so that that's that's a whole idea and even more interesting sometimes we do not realize as consumers that uh, batch numbers are not unique yeah. they are assigned typically by uh, pharmaceutical companies and or uh, trading bodies but they are not like the ISBN in yeah. a, a I don't know, in a book that yeah. you, you have a unique number across the world and it can be verified and all that. And even more, how can you verify the provenance and, and also audit the entire uh, route of Because uh, like medicine. if you go to shop and you buy, uh, say for example, you buy some bread or milk or something, it's got barcode that's unique to that product, but it's all milk has got that barcode or that thing. Yeah. And say with medicine, blockchain can determine that even though they've all got the same barcode, you can tell 
which patch you came from exactly? That, that would be ideally what we would like to do. Uh, but also, not only which batch, but also where that batch has been from the moment it was manufactured, uh, including, of course, all the that. And uh, we, of course, have to comply with GDPR regulations and all sorts of that, because uh, you can hardly think of a more uh, needed uh, side other than pharmaceutical industry, yeah. because, of course, it's we're talking about patient safety in this case. And I guess GDPR was, that's coming, that's made you, make things more tougher for you guys in some ways. I, I, I think it's, it's, it's great. Uh, for me, I think having been in this industry for a while, uh, so I, I've been working, uh, I graduated from my first degree in 1990, so I've been working since then. Uh, I can tell you that uh, being in worker study in computing, uh, you know that uh, GDPR was uh, was well overdue, and I think it's it's good that uh, finally in Europe we have been able to to have that regulation in general to for data protection. Yeah, and I'm, 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 and fun thing is now Ireland is now seen as a police force for Europe for data protection. So for a small country, we've got a lot on our shoulders to try and handle this. Of course, yeah. uh, uh, Ireland is we are well ahead of the game in here, so. We were uh, probably the first country, according to certain reports, to have a full task force on data protection. We have uh, a minister yeah. uh, working on that. And in general, uh, given the influence of technology and uh, in general uh, data regulations, Ireland is always very well placed. So yes, we <laughs> we probably are one of the leading countries in that yeah. respect. And I guess when you were planning a few years ago some new courses, you were planning for GDPR coming in and what and prepared for that as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. Intrinsically, as as any other organization, we yeah. have uh, data protection officers and all that. But that's that. But since we are a, an educational institution, we always include GDPR constraints into our, uh, into our courses and the way we teach and the way we handle records. And, and certainly we try to make ethical considerations and to include them into, into anything, uh, programs, research, uh, and certainly links with the industry. And I guess when students do the project, make them aware that what they're doing, they've got to comply with future or present rules regulations from GDPR. So yeah. if, for example, in five years' time, you, you, you learn five years' time, but then slightly change the regulations for GDPR. You make sure students are aware of that, so that prepare for that. So when they're out in the workplace, so you see those new regulations because they did it in college. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, but as we all know, uh, uh, this is a lifelong learning yeah. journey. So the only thing you are assured is that you will be learning for the rest of your life, probably. Yeah. And certainly, technology is one. It's a changing field, so we can only prepare students and all graduates uh, to learn more and to keep uh, ahead of the game in that respect. So we don't know what's going to happen in 10 years, yeah. of course, but let, we would like to believe that uh, we provide the basis to our students and graduates uh, to tackle the future challenges. Well, I figure once you, once you left college, you left there and you're working in a wheel company somewhere else, I always say you now you in the virtual life because every day you're learning new things. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, personally, uh, I came to 
to be the founding head of the Cloud Complexity Center seven years ago. Uh, but clearly, I, I went back to graduate school when I did my PhD at the University of Edinburgh after working for over a decade in industry. So uh, what I can tell you is that the world was totally different from when I first graduated with a, with a first degree in 1990, then I did a master's in the, in the UK. And then I spent a substantial number of years in, uh, in the US, in the Americas in general, and then going back to school, you say, well, this is a totally different environment. Yeah. And it was uh, doing still computer science, but it was post-internet education, I yeah. would say. So it was, it was really, really interesting to, to be in that. I did a course in Scotland back in the early 90s. And when I did it, there was no internet at all. We had internal email. We used back to computers. And we were learning to program in, in COBOL and Pascal. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then looking back now, uh, COBOL and Pascal languages aren't using, but if you've got those skills, it's, it's very well sought after. But people sometimes do not realize, uh, but uh, COBOL <laughs> is yeah. still alive. I know, but I've seen it. <laughs> so COBOL is still alive, sir, and financial institutions and uh, there are reports even airlines use it and it's very stable certainly for mainframes and I was looking at some industry reports the other day that they are trying to use the good old L parts from IBM yeah. and put it into cloud to offload it so there is clearly a continuum of technology that has has been since the 80s and 90s and the minis and mainframes all the way to now, the cloud. Because yeah, now I was here for my interview for the college course, and I was talking to one of the guys interviewing me, and he said to me, uh, what language have you, have you done before? So I did Kobo. He mm-hmm. said, so right, I did Lang- Kobo, first name Kobo, mm-hmm. older than the one he'd done. Ah. So we said, okay, that's fine, I think you know what you're doing. Because mm-hmm. he was making sure that I had this, the right skills for the course. <clears throat> it was a tough course, and looking back, when I came back to college now, he said, it had changed so much, internet was here now. Competing was so much smaller. Those days we had, we had mainframes and we had dumb terminals. Now we've got desktops, we've got laptops mm-hmm. and smartphones. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, <coughs> uh, I mean, personally, uh, here at the Cloud Competency Center, we're looking at the advance of uh, distributed technologies and, and certainly processing high-performance computing. And now, as I was saying, in, in chips, at this uh, 4G research project that just finished with us, I was the, uh, the chair person of the, uh, the vice chairperson of chipset uh, and we know that it's been changing and the, the book that was just published by Springer uh, it produces a significant advance on that but it's the important part is that it's changing but it still reflects a trend on a faster access to resources yeah so they need to have, uh, from high-performance computing, I don't know, for weather forecasting or for uh, CFD, uh, computational fluid dynamics and design of new airplanes or cars, all the way to now mobile technologies. And, and people, of course, never realize that the computational power that uh, you have in your pocket is, is on par when it used to be a supercomputer uh, 20 years ago, and it was uh, worth a uh, uh, million dollars, yeah. and it was uh, you needed a special training to operate it. So it's, it's but it's still all 
vector technologies and all that. So yeah, Cray computers, remember that? Exactly, a uh, uh, Cray one computer, which was uh, twenty years ago, over a million dollars. Yeah, it's roughly comparable with an iPhone eight in in terms yeah. purely processing. That's we have to, uh, and of course, an iPhone ten, an eight or a ten, is goes for a thousand yeah. euros these days, and a Cray computer was a million. But of course, we have we have to understand that there are many more capabilities that the Cray had at that time. I remember back in '85, my father was working for another company, and they're building a new rig, and mm-hmm. this the system was going to be fully controlled by computers, mm-hmm. and they, they got in digital facts. And at that point, mm-hmm. it cost them a million dollars to put the whole the whole mm-hmm. the rig to have all these computers in there. And back then, thinking about a million dollars, but but uh, looking back now, that's no, that's nothing. And that computer power then. Is now the same power you might get in a smartphone. Yep, yeah, but it, it, well, seismic migration yeah. and in general, the oil and gas industry is one of the main users of supercomputing, yeah. as, as, as you, of course, rightly pointed out, uh, uh, because uh, getting getting something wrong uh, when you are I don't know drilling a, a new reservoir yeah. it costs you a lot. I mean, if it's a Standard one, it might be a million dollars. Yeah. If it's a, a deep sea reservoir, it might be hundred million. So I was talking the other day with the, with some people from Nvidia. You know, they, they are the leaders in GPU yeah. computing, and they were saying that yes, still it's uh, the good old vector processing and way of thinking. But, but yeah, one of the main customers of theirs are the oil and gas industry for seismic migration. And also, so. I'm thinking back years ago when the moon landings, the computer mm-hmm. at that point had 8K memory. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was about 9 or 10, my first computer was a VIC-20 from Commodore. Ah, yeah. That had 8K memory, so I had much memory in my computer as it did to, to go to the moon. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's That's only reflected yeah. the set of times. So, But still, good old programming skills are important. We see that... Uh, the government itself is is placing lots of emphasis on making the uh, high school curricula stronger. Things like the including more programming skills for uh, teenagers and living cert and all that. So I think it's important, and and we are at Ireland are, are quite fortunate to be also, and also working that. Kurt Dojo was brilliant for it, just that because. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I was a mentor for a while when I, when I was at a Trinity College mm-hmm. Science Gallery and what that teaches young kids mm-hmm. is something that they can't learn anywhere else and it's great to be able to see that coming through. And, and in general, uh, knowing how to program a computer, regardless of their uh, programming language, is also uh, is correlated and associated as well with uh, computational thinking. Yeah. So the way you tackle problems, I mean... Uh, standard things such as uh, recursion and uh, data structures and concepts that are key in computer science help you always to tackle and have to tackle problems and have a different view on on technical issues because yeah, I, I think right now we're in, sorry in fact you're offering more and more courses in in uh, which rely on cloud you've actually mm-hmm. uh, made the college a bit more known for that because years ago if you're doing, if you're doing a computing course there was very few choices you could do now you've got so many choices you can do video gaming mm-hmm. you can do fintech 
mm-hmm. cloud it's, it's, it's all changed and it, it's great to see that yeah, yeah. We, uh, uh, the cloud has become uh, the de facto platform for many fields I mean uh, we were discussing this uh, trends such as big data or these days blockchain and all that but they rely most of the times on a cloud platform for many of their operations and anyone will say well I'm a cloud user because I use I don't know some Gmail or Facebook yeah. or whatever it is a platform that they use to but also to because if you're a doctor working somewhere like in, in Africa in a small hospital <coughs> using the cloud to transmit data to and from Mm-hmm. With the people, so everyone's using the cloud these days. Of course, yeah, yeah of it's course, part of your life, and you don't, and you don't realize that that, uh, that a, any course has been taught nowadays, be it business or, or science or law, whatever it is, cloud is is, is going to be part of the course as well in some ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember I, I used to to make a, a few talks to introduce the cloud when I started the center, and when we. Uh, were trying to disseminate more the concepts and I, ended, I always ended up that the talks were saying that cloud computing was going to disappear. Yeah. It was just going to become computing. Yeah. And that's actually what is happening these days. It's, you, you don't see it, but it's behind many of our daily lives. So. Well, I remember years ago, Steve Jobs, for the iPod said, tell us something in the pocket. Now mm-hmm. you've got the cloud. So you say computing in your pocket. Very yeah. similar to that. It's there and you don't notice it's there. Well, in some, in, in the in the 90s, we used to say there was the, the network is the computer, right? Yeah. So to a certain extent, that's, those were the early concepts that were preceding the, the cloud. So. Yeah, okay. I remember early 90s, some of the competing stuff that we were doing, and I'm thinking, when people were using DOS and all that, I'm thinking, that's going to change. It has. <laughs> it has significantly yeah. since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, we have now evolved, uh, and we are very proud to have students who are uh, looking forward to working with different companies and uh, different organizations using the latest technologies, which includes cloud, analytics, and fintech. And at NCI, and certainly through the Cloud Competency Center, we like to believe that we prepare our students well to to take advantage of technologies. And what courses do you think coming up are, are, are going to be new this year? Or, uh, well, we are uh, undertaking this year uh, as part of uh, our standard reviews. Uh, we are continuing uh, making sure that our courses remain uh, updated and remain ahead. Uh, we are at the moment uh, launching a new undergrad course in data science, the yeah. BSc in data science. That's uh, something that was recently approved. So we are, that's one of the, the main courses. So uh, I think that's a, a brand new yeah. uh, thing. Um, basically, we started uh, uh, with uh, MSc in data science. It was a level nine. Yeah. Uh, we called them data analytics yeah. at that time. And uh, now it's, it has become as part of the school strategy, the School of Computing and NCI, to have a full four-year BSc in data science. So yeah. it's, it's at the crossroads of mathematics, computing, and in general, information science. Yeah, because I've seen been a few DASI awards, data science awards, mm-hmm. so it's grown big in Ireland. 
And the moment there's certain people, certain jobs in that area can't be filled, because mm -hmm. nothing. So if you're offering a caution, that it means you're, you're filling the void in the market that's needed. Yeah, and it's even more. It's uh, well, I believe that we have to be applied and industry driven. We also have to understand that there is a clear need to have uh, data driven uh, decision making in general in any in any endeavor. So data science is, should be driving that. And clearly we receive advice from, from our advisory board in that respect. As you know, Berkeley was one of the first to have a data science institute yeah. where, in fact, it's located where the part of the all library records used to be held, yeah. micro films and all that. So they actually relocated the Data Science Institute at that part in Berkeley. So I think it was very appropriate to have that side. Oh. You know, so you said Stanford as well are involved too, which is another college that's well known for mm -hmm. computing skills. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so we have Stanford, yeah. Stanford and Berkeley are always uh, in, involved in leading efforts in computing. That That's why we like to believe that being involved with them in, in an advisory board is important and that helps us to keep our courses ahead. Yeah, because it's one of those, because I remember I saw a video of Steve Jobs giving a speech at Stanford mm -hmm. University, mm -hmm. people graduating, and when I saw that speech, that made me realize that, that, that Stanford is probably one of the top colleges in, in, or universities in, 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 in America yeah, of for course. computing, that or, or MIT. In fact, you've mm -hmm. got Stanford and also Berkeley. Do mm -hmm. you, that, that says that you're prepared for the future. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's. Uh, as we were saying, in general, lifelong learning is, is what it's ahead of us. And in computing, and in general, it, that's, that's going to happen. And that's clear from day one. The moment you graduate, you know that you have to keep studying. <laughs> yeah, and remember, when I was in college, they had, a lot of it was focused on being forming your own startup. Is that still part of the ethos here as well? That's right. We are... Uh, uh, we have uh, an innovation strategy, which is, is very clear here. Uh, we've been involved with different institutions, as an example, with Citi. We're neighbors here, yeah. <laughs> formerly known as Citibank. Yeah. Uh, they have a, a competition for students called the City Upstart. So uh, uh, three years ago, we got involved. Uh, we were the first year that we we got into the competition and this is an innovation challenge and the students form teams and propose a solution to a to a challenge that they identify it's uh, student-led yeah. and they have mentors from city mentors from different uh, schools and universities and we won the first year three years ago and since then we were shortlisted uh, so we're runners up in the second year and we won again this year so the Cloud Competency Center, the first year we won through the MSc Cloud Students. So we've been uh, very fortunate. We have even a couple of innovation champions within the School of Computing. So we're very active in that. And we try to nurture those skills in our students. So I always said that the students shouldn't be applying for jobs, but creating their own jobs yeah. through innovation. Because I felt when I, when I finished the course, I felt that I wanted to not work. I wanted to create my own job, mm -hmm. rather than work for somebody else. Exactly. And I've got a chance to do that. And the college, the class, made me think that uh, 
when I was doing it, it was about 40, so at my age, I should be looking at, at, at creating my own work rather than relying on somebody else. So I, I've kind of done that. Mm-hmm. It took a while, but I've done it, and it, mm-hmm. it, it's been useful. And if, if more students are, are taught that you can do it yourself without have to work in, in, in a, have a choice of either working for a big company or doing it yourself, you've got the opportunity of doing both. I think it's about choices. Yeah. Uh, we have to, to offer graduate choices and teach them to to do what they feel like and that they are uh, well equipped to to take that decision so they can continue studying, yeah. why not? Or graduates from first degrees can go into level nine or level 10, that means masters or PhDs or whatever, into research, applied research, or they can go into companies, multinational, SMEs, or indeed creating their own the startups and running and, and clearly Ireland is very fortunate in that respect they, uh, through Enterprise Ireland there are different mechanisms that enable that so there are innovation disclosures and yeah now you've got next so you've got a cloud center as well so startups and companies can move into as well which is nice that's right do we uh, physically the same in the same location we have uh, the incubation center here here uh, this is one of the main meeting rooms for the business incubation center at NCI yeah. so Yes, uh, uh, we form part of a, uh, of a consortium of uh, institutions uh, called DRIC to yeah. have innovation uh, here in Dublin, in the Dublin region. That's good. So anything else you want to add the podcast? No, thank you. Thanks a lot, Ronan, for the invitation, and thanks a lot. And it's uh, I'm very glad to have uh, one of our graduates being in the position of helping us to disseminate the accomplishment of the Cloud Competency Center and of these seven years, which have been great. And uh, we want to believe that in a very, very small uh, part, we have played a good role in improving technology and in general life through education in Ireland. All right, thanks very much for that. Thank you. Have a great day. You too as well, Ronan.